Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of this podcast. This is another bonus episode. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm going to talk a bit about how I have gotten to know other people and get mentorship as a, a dev influencer. So if you're listening to this, I'm just going to put it out there, uh, devinfluencers.com. I'm renaming all the dev hero stuff to dev influencers. So go check it out at devinfluencers.com. And uh, that should actually take you to a place where you can apply for the accelerator. Now, beyond that, I'm also putting together a Dev Influencers podcast. Uh, that'll be up next week as I'm recording this. And you can find that at devinfluencers.com slash podcast. And here's the deal. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to dive right in. So over the course of my career, I've had a, quite a number of mentors. And I think I talked a little bit about uh, sort of the ability that I had to level up while I was doing Ruby Rogues. But it started a whole lot earlier than that. And I was actually talking to somebody last week about my journey into code, right? And so I'm going to summarize that really quickly because it bears, it has a bearing on what we're talking about here. So uh, let's just dive in and talk about that for a minute. So pretty early on, I got into um, some some forms of uh, writing code, right? So uh, when I was in eighth grade, I had a TI-85 calculator. And so I'd write little programs that would help me with my homework, right? It would I would program in the formula, and then I all I had to do was plug in the numbers, right? And it would solve it, or it would graph it, or whatever, right? And so I could either check my answers with it or I could get my answers with it, depending on whether or not the teacher had an issue with that. And so that that was kind of my earliest programming experience. Now, I also have to say that my my grandfather, who incidentally was a rocket science scientist, um, literally, he he uh, did some work on the solid rocket boosters that they used for the space shuttle. He taught me how to solder and he got me into electronics, which led in some ways to this um, insane software development career that I'm in, right? So um, I'm, I'm also just going to put that out there, right? So there was, there was some tech influence going in. I was also part of the math club in junior high, and we did a little bit of Pascal programming. Mostly it was graphing. Again, it was, it was math stuff. But I didn't really get into software. Even in high school, I took electronics classes mostly, so I was playing with hardware. And the story there essentially boils down to um, the most programming I, I did was we had an 8085 processor, and we would essentially feed in machine code instructions one at a time. Yeah, that, that's pretty tedious, but it was fun, right? And then we would get, like, different LEDs to light up and crap like that, right? Um, everything else we did in hardware, including the robotics. So, you know, I, I graduated... And I went to BYU and I got into their program and uh, I, I started out as a, a, an electrical engineering major. After a while, I got to the point where I realized it would be less work and more enjoyable for me to be a computer engineering major. And at the same time, I was thinking, OK, well, I'll go work for an Intel or some other company, right, that does the kind of work that I think I want to do and, you know, build my career around that. And so uh, anyway, I, I got through that. I got a job working in IT and I actually interned for six months for a company learning how to write patent applications. And 
figured out pretty fast that not <laughs> that was not the track I wanted to be on. I actually wanted to build stuff, right? But at the same time, you know, my coding classes, we were mostly building, you know, toy apps. Uh, I think the most interesting one was the AI class where we actually built AI tanks into a stim simulator that, you know, we would go fight the other tank teams in our group. But it was pretty rudimentary compared to what uh, machine learning and stuff does today. So that gives you a background. Uh, before I graduated, I got a job at a company called Mosey. And I've talked a little bit about them in my podcast journey, right? And so um, when I got hired on, I was hired on as tech support. Uh, I was proficient enough with Windows and stuff to help people troubleshoot their stuff over the phone, right? And so I could actually do that. I could help people, you know, via email as well. Um, and we got into that. And Anyway, I got into code because we needed some software that would help us manage our workload, right? Because there were two of us, we were overwhelmed, it was way too much work, and that's when I realized that code was fun and useful, right? So, you know, kind, kind of, you know, jump ahead a little bit there, but worked on that system for quite a while. Incidentally, the, the code name for <laughs> I did not name the, the system, but the code name for that system was Frat Girl. I didn't name it, but I worked on it. Anyway, true story. So uh, the first uh, code that I wrote that anybody worked that used to get work done was called Frat Girl. So <laughs> um, I think there was another system in the company called Frat Boy. And, you know, it was just internal culture and an inside joke. Um, but anyway, you kind of get the point. So um, I, don't, I don't remember if it was Tom or somebody else that named it Frat Girl. Anyway, so... We, uh, you know, I get working on that, get into podcasting. And what was really, really interesting was that um, when I got started in podcasting, and you can go listen to how, I, how Chuck got into podcasting and how you can too, uh, episode, which was a couple weeks ago. But um, I, my first interview was with Greg Pollack. Um, and I've, I've talked a bit about that. The thing that was interesting, though, was that as I started to move into that, space, um, I realized after like the third or fourth time doing it, that every time I emailed somebody and said, do you want to be on my podcast? The answer was always, well, yeah. Right. And so, um, you know, my third episode was with James Edward Gray and I'd seen him speak at a conference and, you know, and so I got him on the show and he had built the CSV library in Ruby. And so I just started asking him questions about the CSV library. And I figured out pretty fast that I could interview these folks about what they worked on, but I could also interview them about the things I wanted to learn. And that, that's when things got really, really interesting, right? So I had Rails core team members on the show. Um, I, I think the one that stands out to me the most, and I don't even know where this guy's at now. I don't think he's on the Rails core team anymore. But there was a guy named Pratik um, that was on the Rails core team. And he had worked on some part of Rails that I was having trouble understanding. And so I, I remember I emailed him and said, hey, um, I, and at the time I was trying to get any member of the Rails core team member or Rails core team I could on the show called Rails Coach. 
you know, and so I'd had a few other people from the Rails core team. I think most of them have moved on at this point. But I reached out to him and I was like, hey, do you want to come on the show? And he's like, sure. And he's got this British accent, you know, and he's all the way across the ocean. And so we had to find a time that worked for him that was in the morning for me, that was in the afternoon for him. And I think he was contracting with Basecamp at the time, or 37 Signals is what they were called then. And so I get him on the call and we start chatting. And so we, we kind of build this rapport, right? And so we're chatting about Rails and chatting about what he's working on and chatting about what he's learning and things like that on the on the show, right? And then I start asking him these questions about the stuff that he built in Rails. And I think it was routes or I can't even remember. I could probably go find it because I think the podcast episode is still up. But yeah, we just chatted, right? And so I started asking him all my questions and I got them all answered. And... It was really cool. I'm just sitting there going, I'm getting free coaching, freaking free coaching, right? And the the reason that it worked out was because I was, I mean, I didn't have a huge audience. I had a few hundred people listening to me at the time, but a few hundred people was enough. And to be honest, that was enough influence to get his attention, right? And I had other members of the the core team, right? And I mean, granted, this was a little bit early, and so usually now you can make the case, depending on how far up the food chain they are, and really what I think makes the difference is how often they get invited to come on something like a podcast or to speak at a conference, right? So if they're in high demand, some people are harder to get than others, right? Other other folks I know um, will just say yes, right? So some of the bigger folks like in the business space, there are a few people that are savvy enough to realize that the more influence or the more exposure they get, the better, right? It helps them sell their products. It helps them um, sell their books. It helps them reach more people. And so they'll go on anything, right? And so it's never a bad thing to reach out to a big name influencer that you want to get on the show and ask them, right? Because if they say no, they're going to say no, and then they're going to forget, right? And so then what happens is you come back three to six months later, they're not going to remember they told you no. And so you can make a better argument, right? And so that that's one of the tricks is, you know, you just follow up. But Right. So you make the better argument. Hey, you know, we've got 2000 people that listen every week and we had so and so on and we'd like to put your name next to their name kind of thing. Right. And yeah, you know, it, it, it makes a difference. It makes it easier to get them on. But what's interesting is, is that over the years, you know, I've been able to be mentored by a lot of these folks. I mean, lately it's it's funny because I had this experience and I wasn't really aiming for it, per se. But, and it, and it kind of came out of an opportunity that came my way, right? So I should, I should tell like the story of how this originated. I think I will. I am going to tell it. It's a little bit of a side tangent, but let me get to the point first and then I'll, I'll turn around and, and tell you a little bit of the story. So last week I had a conversation with Uncle Bob Martin. And for those of you who don't know him, you know, I think he's Uncle Bob on Twitter, but he's written a whole bunch of books, Clean Code, Clean Crafts, or no, Clean Craftsmanship is the one that's coming out that I interviewed him about. Um, but Clean Architecture, Clean Agile, right? He's got all these books. Anyway, so I was talking to him, it was two weeks ago, because last week we talked about the book list. You know, it's like, these are all the books that nobody reads anymore that everybody should be reading, right? This week, or the week before, we were talking about his Clean Craftsmanship book, right? And he, he walked me through like all of the practices that people should go through and then all the, the standards that people should adhere to and then the ethics of programming, right? And so that's, that's the episode. But what was interesting was that, yeah, I wound up in this position where 
I was having these opportunities where he was actually teaching me how to write better code, right? And I've been doing this for seriously, like 10, 12 years, something like that, right? And he's he's like dropping these knowledge bombs right and left. And so I'm getting coached. I'm getting coached by one of the premier um, agile and programming coaches in the world, right? 